Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me again for this week's message. Today we're beginning a three-week series of messages on the power of God and looking at Romans chapter 8 and what it tells us about how God's power uh, changes our lives. And we are beginning today by talking about the power of knowledge. There are certain things, if you know them, they will change your life. There are certain bits of information and pieces of wisdom that will affect how you live, your attitudes and your actions, how you see the world. The power of knowledge is dramatic and it truly can change your life. And so I invite you to uh, sit back and relax and reflect with us as we think about how the power of knowledge can change your life. On August 15, 1987, Howard Schultz was faced with the toughest decision of his life. Whether or not to buy a small chain of coffee houses with a strange name, Starbucks. Knowing what we know today, it seems like a no-brainer. But at the time, the $3.8 million price tag felt huge to him. In his memoir, Pour Your Heart Into It, he writes about the thoughts that went racing through his mind. He said, this is my moment. If I don't seize the opportunity, if I don't step out of my comfort zone and risk it all, if I let too much time tick on, my moment will pass. I knew that if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity, I would replay it in my mind for my whole life, wondering what if. Howard Schultz made a defining decision to give up the safety net of his $75,000 a year salary to pursue his passion for coffee. Starbucks stock went public five years later on June 26, 1992. It was the second most actively traded stock on the NASDAQ that day. And by the closing bell, its market capitalization stood at $273 million. Not bad for a $3.8 million investment. Today, Starbucks has over 32,000 stores in 83 different countries, with revenues last year of over $19 billion. They have almost 350,000 employees, which is greater than the population of Iceland. They sell about 8 million drinks every day, which is about 2.9 billion drinks a year. All of this began with one very tough decision that Howard Schultz had to make. Should he give up his steady paycheck, take a risk, step out of his comfort zone, and seize the opportunity to buy this small company? And what would happen if he failed? What would have happened if he had been too scared to try? How much knowledge did he need? to make a good decision, 
when there was so much about the future he did not know. For today and the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the power of God that is available to us in our lives. For these three weeks, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8 and what it tells us about God's power and the difference it can make in our lives. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of hope. And the following week, we're going to talk about the power of perspective. But today we begin with the power of knowledge. If you had the knowledge that you would not fail, what would you do? If you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that you would succeed, what would you try? We read about the power of knowledge in Romans 8, 28 to 39, which says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are four key questions in this passage related to the power of knowledge in our lives. Number one, do you know that God is working in all things for your good? Verse 28 says, we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Do you know this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that every single situation in your life, God is working out things for your good? If you love God and have been called by God, this is true for you. God is at work in every situation of your life to bring something good out of it. 
If you really believe that every single situation you find yourself in would work out for your good, how would that change your life? Would you have any doubts? Would you have any fears? Would you ever worry? If you had the power of knowledge that every situation would work out for your good, why would you worry about anything? Verse 29 says that God foreknew you. He knew you before you were born. It says that God predestined you that you would become like Christ. Your destiny is to become like Jesus in every aspect of your life. And because God has predestined you, he has called you and justified you and glorified you. When you have the power of this knowledge, it changes how you live. The first question is, do you know that God is working in all things for your good? The second question in this passage is, do you know that God is for you? In verse 31, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? In verses 32 and 33, he says that God is for you so much that he did not even spare his own son for you. Jesus gave up his life for you. Jesus made the greatest sacrifice for you. That shows how much God is for you. Verse 33 asks, who can bring any charges against anyone God has chosen because God has justified us? No allegation that anyone can bring against you will change how God sees you because God has already justified you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. When people lie about you, try to slander you, or try to ruin your reputation, you don't have to worry. God is for you. Jesus has given up his life for you. The second question in this passage is, do you know that God is for you? The third question in this passage is, do you know that Christ has made you a winner? In verse 37, it says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are the champions, my friend. We are the victors. We are the gold medal winners. This is your identity. This is your DNA. It's in your genes. The problem is that sometimes the world tries to make you feel like a loser. People you work with may not like you. Society may not have much respect for your line of work. People on the internet may attack you and try to devour your confidence. At times you might feel like a failure. You might feel like you've not been able to achieve your dreams. You might think others have been more successful than you. I think a lot of these feelings come from listening to the wrong people. We listen to people in the world when they tell us the opposite of what God tells us in his word. We listen to people who are negative, angry pessimists. We listen to people who are disgruntled 
who feel cheated out of what they think they were owed, or who try to build themselves up by putting us down. We think we are small and weak and unimportant. That's wrong. We need to listen to what God says about us in his word. Romans 8.38 tells us we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We aren't winners because we're so smart or talented or clever. We're winners because Jesus has made us winners. God made you and God doesn't make junk. The third question of this passage is, do you know that you're a winner? Finally, the fourth question in this passage is, do you know that nothing can separate you from the love of God? Verse 35 says that neither trouble, nor hardship, nor persecution, nor famine, nor nakedness, nor danger, nor sword can separate you from the love of Christ. Verses 38 and 39 says that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ? If you really believe that, would you ever worry about anything? What do we have to be afraid of? How would we be living differently if we weren't afraid to put ourselves out there? The power of knowledge that comes from the Bible is a power that can change your life. There's an interesting verse in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 46, 17, which says, there they will exclaim, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is only a loud noise. He has missed his opportunity. Jeremiah was writing about the most powerful person in Egypt, which was one of the most powerful countries at that time. The Pharaoh would have had all kinds of resources at his disposal, money, authority, knowledge, education, advisors, horses, food, weapons, everything. He was a person with a lot of power and a lot of potential. But he squandered his chance. He missed his opportunity. Some scholars think that Jeremiah was writing about Pharaoh Hophra, who ruled Egypt for 19 years. During that time, he surely had more than one opportunity. It's likely he missed many opportunities. I don't want people to say that about us. I don't want people to say that we missed our opportunity. The power of the knowledge that we get from God is one of the key reasons we don't miss our opportunities. Without that knowledge, the chances we do miss our opportunities greatly increase. <clears throat> A couple of psychologists named Tom Gilovich and Vicki Medbeck once did a study on what people regret most in their lives. 
they found that time was a key factor. So in the short term, we tend to regret our actions more than our inactions, 53% to 47%. We regret the mistakes we made. But over the long haul, we regret our inactions more than our actions, 84% to 16%. In other words, we regret what we didn't do far more than what we did do. We are like the Pharaoh that Jeremiah was writing about. We regret the missed opportunities we did not take. We fixate on our sins of commission. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. We focus on not doing this and not doing that. The problem is that you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. Righteousness is more than not doing anything wrong. It's doing something right. It's not just resisting temptation. It's also going after your God-given opportunities. When God opens a door for you, don't be afraid to walk through it. Holiness by subtraction is playing not to lose. Going after righteousness is playing to win. It's living as if Jesus has already won the victory on the cross, which he has. What grieves our hearts more are our sins of omission. It's the woulda, coulda, shouldas. If you are playing basketball, you will not score on 100% of the shots you never take. You won't learn anything from the books you never read. You won't experience the world from the trips you never take. No one knows the potential that God has given us like God himself. But we probably won't develop our potential if we never try. Our potential is God's gift to us. Making the most of our potential is our gift back to God. Anything less could end up in regret. What would have happened if Noah had decided not to build the ark? What would have happened if Moses had decided not to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? What would have happened if David had decided not to fight Goliath? What would have happened if the Allies had decided not to launch their D-Day invasion on Normandy Beach? What would have happened if we had not tried to land a man on the moon? What would have happened if Joseph had decided not to marry Mary when he found out she was already pregnant with Jesus? History is full of these what-if moments. When we look back on our past, we can see major turning points in the world, tipping points in our culture, and major breakthroughs in our knowledge that have had a dramatic impact on who we are today. Now, most of us will never grow a multi-million dollar multinational company like Howard Schultz did with Starbucks. But all of us have opportunities <clears throat> to do things that are significant. 
God gives us moments where we can make a difference in someone's life, where we can have an impact on our neighborhood or our community, and where we can help someone else find eternal life. We don't want to squander our opportunities like the Pharaoh did that Jeremiah wrote about. We need to understand that the odds are ever in our favor. The deck is stacked to your advantage. As a Christian, you have a supernatural advantage that not everyone has. All you need is the power of the knowledge of God that we find in Romans chapter 8. Number one, do you know that God is working in all things for your good? Two, do you know that God is for you? Three, do you know that Christ has made you a winner? Four, do you know that nothing can separate you from the love of God? When you have this knowledge, there is no telling what just might happen. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.